super excited. Uh, this is going to be like a completely different episode, um, mostly because we're drinking. So <laughs> there's that. Um, but real quick, so this is going to be the last episode of the year. Um, so we officially have like what? Seven, seven episodes that we've had. Thanks. Thanks. So this will be number eight, right? This will be number eight. This will be number eight. So I'm super excited about that. We have like officially seven episodes um, that are behind us for the year. And so this will be the last one for 2018 because I remember the year because I've been saying 2017. And Jack keeps going, you know it's 2018. I'm like, damn, it's about to be 2019. <laughs> You're supposed to fall back an hour, not a year. Not a year. Just FYI. Whoops. Um, so yeah, so this will be the last episode. We'll take a break in December, um, you know, to like get our holiday on. Um, and then we'll come back um, in January. Um, so we are going to be eating and drinking, really drinking, eating just because we're able to justify drinking when we have food. Um, but <laughs> but uh, we're gonna do like just a, a quick look back on some of the episodes that we've talked about. And um, for those of you that don't know, I'm Janelle Gray, and this is Echoes on Air. And I've got three of some of my favorite people in the whole wide world here. Um, and some of them get to drink, and one of them just has to have water. Um, and he can tell you why he has to have water. Oh, uh, my name is Justin Willis. I am not in Dallas. I am in Bogota, Colombia. And while you are having mimosas, I'm over here waiting in the water. So, you know. Yeah, glad to be a part of this conversation. And glad to meet you, DR. My name is DR Hansen. Um, I'm a Dallas-based artist. And that is as elusive as it's meant to sound. Um, and uh, I'm very thrilled to be joining you for my second um, appearance on uh, Echoes. I'm very, very grateful and honored to be here and to meet your tribe and clan and to have conversations with them. You always bring amazing people together, Janelle. So uh, I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of them and to, uh, to learn something today. Thank you. Oh, my God. I'm Chris. And my intro is not going to be nearly that. Like, that was so, like... <laughs> professional and complimentary and I'm just like so grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be here too, but like, I don't know, I'm not that well-spoken. <laughs> um, I'm Chris, I mostly tweet. I might steal that Dallas-based artist thing too. Do because it. Because like, Dallas-based, mostly true. <laughs> artist, mostly true. Exactly, see? So like you know, yeah. we can make this work. Ish, right? Mm -hmm. When right. you're when you're ish of all of those things and it works well. Yeah. 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 I support that. I mean, I find yeah. Renaissance Man to be just a little obnoxious, <laughs> but I mean that works too. No. Last, I think the first time I was on here, I was like, I do all these things, but mostly I get paid to help other people do them. <laughs> Which, like, that's the condition of being a Dallas-based artist yeah. in your that, That's what I was saying. I was like, so doesn't that actually make you successful? Because isn't that Absolutely. kind of what that is? Is that you actually help One, you're getting paid. Like, yeah. let's start there right. and, and say kudos right. to you on that front. Right. Well, thank you. <laughs> you guys actually missed it. We already cheers without you, mostly because we're total drunks. and we, I mean... We enjoy tasty adult beverages. <laughs> um, no. Um, but we are, we're really excited to start off the episode. I haven't been drinking yet, I swear. I'm so mad we got from, like, drunks to tasty adult beverages. Yes. Like, that was a pretty big leap. Eh, well, you know. Um, 
so uh, the good thing about uh, this episode, I think, is that we have a really good group of people who have been involved in um, all of the conversations that we've had. And even if they weren't on the show for those conversations, um, they have some experience um, in them. So um, if, if I may, I'm trying to get into the habit of doing this. Um, if I can rewind real quickly uh, to my introduction. Uh, my preferred pronouns are he, him, and his. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going forward. Sweet. That's good. Perfect. I, I should do that too. Okay, so yeah, my pronouns are he, him, and his as well. Thank so you. Yeah. basically, he's just going to personality jack you. Um, <laughs> I really am. <laughs> and, uh, Y'all, I'm being single white female right now, and I'm totally into it. Totally into it. Come on, talented Mr. Ripley. Let's do this. Oh, my God. I Which one is, is that? Is that the one? That's the Philip Seymour Hoffman and, uh, uh, oh, God, what's uh, Ben Affleck's? Uh, butt buddy, uh, Matt Damon. That's not. I'm sorry. I should not have said it like that. Uh, <laughs> Matt Damon and uh, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's like the quasi queer European abroad white privilege abound, and they just like run around. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman wants to become Matt Damon, and it's weird. Isn't that one of those that's like with with Will Smith, but it's like the same movie? Um, I think you're thinking of Six Degrees of Separation. Yes. Um, and that's, I don't think they're the same movie at all, but I just, <laughs> but not to. Also, I, I find uh, it quite interesting that you said you don't think that they're the same mu- mu- uh, movie at all, but you knew exactly without like having to stumble through. Well, I mean, Will Smith hasn't been in that many movies that have any queer underlining okay. except for that one. True. And so okay, that's fair. Very true. I made that connection through okay. my description of Mr. Talent. Tal- okay, Mr. that's Ripley. fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, there's a lot, but that, that Six Degrees Separation, though, is a movie that, that has a lot to unpack there about privilege for sure um, and young gay black men um, and, and New York living at that time. So, um, And then he never did anything even <laughs> vaguely queer ever again. Ever. No. And he actually, I remember him being on Oprah talking about that movie and how one of his cinematic regrets, he said, is that there's supposed to be a kiss in that because it's based on a play. And there's supposed to be a kiss in that movie, and he was—he was just very young and naive, and said, "I would not do that because he was afraid kissing a man on screen was going to be detrimental to his career." But it would have at that time. I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I my like my when, when was that? I don't Ooh, remember when. That's a good qu- like late nineties, I think. So like I feel like nineties is, eh, yeah. I, and I'm talking about for black men. Sure, I'm not could have gotten right. away with it. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. I'm not talking about just queer. Like queer. Yeah, nope, I'm yep. talking about specifically for black men because. Queer in the black community is a whole other nuanced level of, oh, the eye yeah, roll. The good, right. solid eye roll <laughs> that you just gave me. I, I mean, it's true, but. Right. It is true. Uh, and that's something I cannot speak to. But what I will say about that, though, is it has to start somewhere. Absolutely. Um, and I respect his his uh, his stance on that because I dealt with that. My, my mm. mother, when I told her I was going to be an actor, was just so concerned when I came out that I was just going to be pegged as uh, the gay actor. The gay actor, which actually, at the end of the day, I'm okay with. Stop giving my roles to straight people. By the way, I'm a gay actor and I can do it too. Right. So I believe gay right. face is a really real thing, uh, and I'm not mad at if that if, if that's how I get a role, I'll get a role that way. Um, but it is a, I, I can see his stance on that. You don't want to de- do anything that could detriment your career. But I'm an activist before I'm an actor, so I see those moments as if he could have done that. What could have happened to? Um, uh, queer roles of color in film and uh, mm. uh, queer actors in film. What could have happened? We've got Zachary Quinto, we've got Bat Boomer, Matt Boomer, we've got a bunch of um, gay actors coming out, which is gonna just pave the way for other young queer actors to come out. We finally have role models 
boys and girls growing up right now have role models in the entertainment industry of being uh, strong, proud, queer uh, artists, and that gives me hope. And I wish I had that growing up. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. Oh, I just hijacked that. So sorry. No, but no, no. I mean, but it took us into like where we needed to go, right? Yeah, right. Like we just hit like two different episodes. Right. So look at that. Right. Look at that. <laughs> Boom. See, we're already doing our job. Two See? episodes covered. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I want to say too, um, because part of the episode that I wanted to do is like look at some of the things that I've heard or some of the things that have really stuck with me. Um, uh, that I've kind of internalized even since having these episodes. And that was one of the things that really stuck with me um, in your episode was, was actually announcing what your pronouns, uh, your preferred pronouns are. And it stuck with me in a way, not because I feel like I ever, okay, how can I say this? Okay, it's kind of like when people say, I don't see your color and I get super, super frustrated because I'm like, but please see my color, please, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Because if you see my color, then you see me mm -hmm. and you see all the things mm -hmm. that make who I am and whatever struggles and experiences that I go through. And so while, you know, that person who says, I don't see your color has never been actively like anti-black, they have never actually experienced and honored the things that I go through. Mm -hmm. And I think that it really stuck with me because I've never been one who's like, I'm going to call you a boy because you were born a boy. And I've never been that person. Sure. I've never been a person who, who would not follow what you ask, but I've also never thought about it. Mm -hmm. And it really stuck with me because it stepped on my toes in a way that I kind of remembered it going forward and it really hit me. And the first time I heard it in real world was about two months after our episode in a class. And I think I told you this at mm -hmm. one point, two months after our episode in a class, the very first thing that the instructor said was, okay, um, you guys, welcome to the class. Tell me your name, where you're from and what's your preferred pronoun. And I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Cause, because in my head, and I know it sounds so stupid and I'm so privileged in this particular way, um, in my head I was like, what, you are not supposed to know that? Like, this is new information. Like, it's really not. Like, other people are aware that you sure. should, oh, yeah, <laughs> that you sure. should know. But because I, I had never thought about mm -hmm. it in that way, it became a thing. And then I was listening to, um, I have a new addiction to audibles. Um, and I accepted. And if they wanted to sponsor this podcast, I'm just saying nobody would be mad. Hey, listen, nobody, nobody will be mad. Sponsor away, my friends. Um, but uh, shout out to Janine because she's been pushing me to to listen to Audibles, and I've been like, nah, I don't want. And I finally did. And um, in this uh, addiction that I am now trying to push on Jack, um, <laughs> in this addiction, I have came across. I think her name is. Esther Perel or something, she is um, a therapist. And in one of her sessions, it's like one of the, the originals, in one of her sessions, it was a conversation between Monique and Monique's mother. And Monique is in a, in a space where she's not sure what her pronoun is, where Monique is not sure what Monique's pronoun is. Yeah, yeah. And the request is that you just say Monique. Yes. And you don't say her, yep. and you don't say yep. him. Which is really hard because you realize in the English language that we are taught to use pronouns, pronouns and, and we are taught that. And so in her, in Monique's space, 
Nice. Monique is trying to identify what her what Monique's pronoun is and if Monique needs a pronoun. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it was super interesting. And all of these things landed on me differently from that one statement mm -hmm. that you said at the very beginning of the, the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one episode. And it just lands on me differently. So that's kind of one of the things that I wanted to talk about. If there was anything that landed or just brought up questions mm. for you guys. I do want to say real fast that that is a really good trick for anyone that is struggling with how to use pronouns or lack thereof <coughs> when talking about someone that uh, falls on the transgender spectrum is just using their name. Yeah. That removes a lot of the issues there. So as long as you know their name, you can do what you just did. It is it you have to train your brain. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. Yeah. Because we're in this is this is this is new frontier for all of us. And I, I believe there's a lot of grace out there, but because we're so concerned about not offending and making sure people like us, mm -hmm. we trip up even more. So yeah. we've got to be bold and we have to be willing to make mistakes mm -hmm. and, and be open to it. And I guarantee you, our trans brothers and sisters will receive that mm -hmm. and will give us that grace that we need That's as true. we learn. Yeah. And, so and that is one thing that Monique said in, in that session was that the, even though it was frustrating, to continue to be called a she, because that is how Monique was born. Probably was how she um, presents, too. H how Monique presents. Correct, correct. Um, and because because of that, what she, M Monique said, sorry. No, I know. What Monique said um, is that Monique really, really appreciates the try. Absolutely. And mm. I think, you know, I think. Interesting. And I think that, um, Justin, you may be able to speak to this, too, because I have. I have this weird feeling, like specifically with using other languages, like being in the US, um, people praise me, black girl who does not appear to be Latina, which is stupid because just in case you guys are wondering, Afro-Latinas are everywhere. Um, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> like legitimately everywhere. Um, but um, people praise me for speaking Spanish, but if you see someone who looks the stereotypical Spanish, yes. there is this um, disconnect with that praise. Um, but the reason that I, I oh, feel yeah. that it's different too is because when I went to Colombia, even, even in Spain, when I went to um, Madrid, I was very nervous about speaking Spanish. And I realized that the reason I was nervous about speaking Spanish is because I thought my Spanish would be received the way that Spanish speakers English is received here. Oh. And I, I thought, like, the way that I see people are like, ugh, they assume that they're stupid or they assume that they're not educated mm -hmm. just because they don't have the more advanced word, mm -hmm. you know? Or experience speaking. Right. Yeah. Or they stumble or they mispronounce. And you, it's like, you don't know you could legitimately be talking to, like, the owner of, like, a a set of hospitals you could be talking to, yep. the brain surgeon, you don't know, just because they don't understand your language does not make them ill-educated. But my concern was that when I would go there, people would be like, oh, you sound so stupid. And I realized, much like Monique was saying, most people in um, Bogota were just excited for the try. Yeah. The fact mm. that you're trying yes. to communicate with me in my language, in a way that makes me feel comfortable. And that could, that could transcend 
language, it could transcend um, sexual um, orientation, it, all of or identification, all of those things. Because what you're really saying is, is I see you well enough to communicate in a way that makes you feel comfortable even at the expense of my own discomfort. Oh, yeah. And that is such a deep thing, It's I respect. Think. You're respecting the, the culture and the language of the country that you're in. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's all you need to do. Um, so uh, that's interesting. Although I will also say, ready, I'm about to hit another episode. Here we go. On a revolutionary <laughs> level. Oh, um, no, in all seriousness, like, you want to get to the point where you no longer have to be grateful for the try, right? You mm -hmm. want to get to the point mm -hmm. where it's not like, like as a trans or just like a not cis person, you don't have to be like, I can't believe that someone actually like recognized me and treated yeah. me like a person. Yeah. But the only way you get there, right, if we're talking about like revolutionary, A, you try now, but B, like the, the revolutionary aspect of it to me, and I know y'all talked about like kind of the different meanings of revolutionary in that episode, mm -hmm. but like, I guess I heard it called like on the a kind of personal revolution. That's um, what I wrote down too. Yeah, that right. Was that was thing. such a good quote. That was good. Um, but on a personal revolutionary level, right, you have to get to the level where people grow up knowing that pronouns are not fixed based on like I take one look at you mm -hmm. and I've decided what all your pronouns are, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to get to the point where people know just from the time that they start using language. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like you have to get to a level almost where like, where that's not even something you have to educate because as we're learning language, like literally babies, mm -hmm. tiny children will see us referring to somebody that looks a way that you, mm -hmm. all of us growing up the way we grew up mm -hmm. might have automatically assigned them one pronoun and like literally children see us using a different pronoun mm -hmm. or using a pronoun that corresponds more to how they present than how you know, we're gonna make our like kind of biased assumptions about like, well, you look like this, so you must have been assigned this, blah, 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 right? Right. Um, so I think that, and I think that's a, a huge, and even like on the same level as far as like Spanish, and I mean, this goes into whole other questions in terms of like race and diversity. Oh, episode one, boom, race and diversity <laughs> in America. But um, I'm so excited about these episodes, y'all. It doesn't <laughs> hurt that there's like a, a board. P.S. Full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. There are some major cheat sheets that Janelle has provided for us on this board in front of us, which is grateful. <laughs> Not to steal your thunder. I mean, yes, there are. But also, I would have listened. I did some research, so I would have known Here's most the thing, of them. You're backing it up, Chris. That's why I'm silent over here. You are backing it up like a pro. So keep it up. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just saying, I'm saying, like, also, if we're talking about language in America, especially in Texas, of all places, right. we really should get to a place where, like, like being bilingual is the expectation. The episode uh, where you guys talked about Botham Jean, mm -hmm. um, Liz, when Liz was here, um, because she teaches history, she teaches, it, it is African-American history that she teaches, right? She's my friend. I should know this. I'm sorry. Um, but at a collegiate level. And... Um, her knowledge of that, like even when we were talking about understanding like the Texas, mm -hmm. the Texas Rangers, te Texas Rangers and understanding like baseball or law enforcement, definitely law enforcement. Got it. Um, well played. Important distinction. Because I'm an expert on both. <laughs> <laughs> Very clear. But her, um, <clears throat> I think what I'm saying is, is me, even me, initially not having, not immediately pulling from the history of the Texas Rangers and 
If you don't know about the history of the Texas Rangers, you might want to look it up because it's not really as pretty as you think. It's not about law enforcement per se, mm. um, which to be fair, if we just want to throw this out there, neither are police. So <laughs> right. Ooh. Yeah. Just saying. Shots fired. The history I mean, of I'm police James is saying slave The patrols. history of it police is, is all about catching runaway slaves. That's They were not meant to protect and serve you they were meant to wow. recapture property uh-huh. so when you understand that the history of police comes from that and you wonder why black people don't trust police but you know what maybe i'm just going down another rabbit hole aka botham jean but whatever no i mean um, that might i mean i'm, I'm gonna be able, i will vocalize my own ignorance here like i can see the texas rangers being that that mm-hmm. makes sense to me but if we're talking about like one of the origins of just a general typical traditional law enforcement in this country mm-hmm. that uh you know what it's a double like it, it blows my mind but then it doesn't if i really look at it yeah the the, the dominoes fall into place very nicely, mm-hmm. but I've never had to think about it like that yeah. because of my experience. Yeah. Um, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you look at just, the, but again, it's going back and understanding that history mm-hmm. that we don't understand. But then don't. The, other, the other thing that I wonder, because, okay, so. Like, that makes a whole lot of sense, but I personally don't know, like, the citation or, like, the history of that. Like, it makes That's sense true. on, That's like, true. A, Perhaps okay, we need the fugitive slave it. law, and, like, of course you would need a bunch of, essentially, slave patrols to enforce the fugitive slave law, et cetera, et cetera, right? Right. But at the same time, yeah, I was just having this from? conversation about, like, there's so many sort of historical things that are based in fact and that, that we agree to because they are so true to our experience now. That's that's possible. You know what I mean? It's like a mystified history of sorts. Yeah, I of mean, sorts. it's 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 a it's a it's a bad game of telephone. You hear yeah. it so exactly. much, it just trickles down and it becomes truth. And I mean, like that one. I, I also like most of those things. I have heard pushback from in terms, but I haven't like researched it myself. Like, there's the whole like like you know, basically, I was having a conversation about Ronald Reagan. Oh God, electoral politics. But um, we were talking about we we're talking about. AIDS and we were talking about the crack epidemic and there's you know ideas floating around in both right it's like yeah anyway great times for America right right um but Make we America were great again. Nah. Hmm, well. yeah um Reagan's first when we were talking about how there are ideas floating around that both of those things were like actively done by the government uh-huh. like the government was like i have engineered aids i have engineered crack let us go ruin the lives of the gays let us go ruin the lives of the blacks right like that was like and that is how a lot of people think about those and like i dug i dug specifically into like the story of the crack epidemic and it's pretty clear that it is very likely that the federal government yep. created a glut of cocaine on the market but didn't like make crack themselves to sell it to people. No, but I think they put things into place with the hope that it would probably come out the way that it did. Well, I don't I don't even know if they put it in place with the hope that I mean, so yes, they did very specifically. They were like we need to fund rebels in Nicaragua, I huh? think. We have to fund contras and since we have to fund contras, we're going to sell a bunch of we're going to allow someone to sell a bunch of coke in the United States. Where should we put all this coke that we're selling now? I don't know, maybe in the black neighborhood. So yes, definitely like Yeah, that seems very that seems very targeted. <laughs> and, yeah, right. And strategic. <laughs> but not just I'm just saying in terms of like 
I don't think that they necessarily could have even predicted that sure. crack cocaine would sure. happen the way it did. Th- yeah, they 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 didn't see the 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 they didn't they weren't that much of a futurist. They couldn't right. see what they were see doing. See the actual right. mechanism. But yes, I'm sure it was like a well, who's Well, we just we just hope a couple thousand get addicted and then millions right. later they're right. like rather oh, than shit. the like, level of the level of epidemic it became. Yeah. Okay, just as a side note, um, Jack, our resident cha- a checker of the facts, was able to Google schmoogle. Um, and we're not completely off, but it's quite interesting because it mentions the Night Watch, which I don't know if you know this, but a couple of Night Watchmen have killed some people. Um, we're back to Game of Thrones oh, again. Wow. <laughs> yes, naturally. <laughs> yes, definitely Game of Thrones. Nothing common or <laughs> like like right now in like real life but um it does mention like basically how the police system was which i was thinking like think about all the tv shows that really or any of the literature we don't really hear about police we hear about like a sheriff mm. you know what i mean or something like that but we don't really hear about a police force and what this article is saying which jack can you throw that in the comments, a couple of those, um, we hear about, um, it's, it's not, it's saying, that article is saying it's recent that the police force is actually a thing. But if you look at even literature that we have, TV shows that we have that are based on, like, you don't see a whole right. police force. True. Until whenever. That's fascinating. Like, you know? Yeah, but I'm gonna go back and read some of those articles just as a side note. Yeah, I would I would encourage everyone to do that. That's I that's yeah. homework that I'm gonna put on myself to go mm-hmm. and just just read about that because you know that is something that we take for granted. Yeah. it's a part of our uh, apparently recent history that mm-hmm. we've just mm-hmm. uh, assumed was always there. Yeah, um, and that's not the case. So educate yourself. And knowing that that's a thing, and if that's that is its derivative, then you also understand. Why we, we haven't come yeah. as far as we could. Mm-hmm. What? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and just dive directly into the Botham Jean thing because I, w- I said I was leaning on you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, you know, it was a long episode. If you guys haven't caught that episode, it was, it was a dope episode, mostly because it unfolded while we were talking about it and yeah. voicing our anger and, and um, you know, our confusion and thoughts of what should or shouldn't happen. And it started, um, as Jack was saying earlier today, it started with um, Botham Jean, with uh, the girl whose name I try not to use because I'd much rather say Botham's name. Mm. Um, But uh, it started with her not being arrested. Mm. And the episode ended when it ended, she she had turned herself in. Right. Um, so one of the things that my mother has been posting a lot is that we're still not talking, we're not talking about it anymore, which is true. Mm-hmm. I think that this happens very often. Um, we get really, really angry. We go full steam ahead. We're all at all 28 vigils and 19 and a half marches. And then two weeks go by and we're like, so what's for breakfast? Where are we having lunch? And I think part of that is that we are in a broken society that doesn't allow us to mourn because two weeks later, there will be another. there's another shooting. Mm-hmm. There's another mass uh, heartbreaking moment in this yeah. country. I just started mourning the Pittsburgh shooting, and then Friday night, someone goes in and shoots up a yoga studio. Like, I can't. I did see that. My body, my soul cannot 
process in real time what this country is going through. I am in a state of arrested development with my morning. I can't, where do I begin? Because it doesn't seem like the morning ends. Because it doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what to do. I really am. And you only have so much energy, you know? Um, I am a big, big self-care is the best care kind of thing, you know? Um, learning when to unplug. And it's, it's, it's hard because I think that um, I am, I think that I'm very much an introvert, but I do, I do rely on the energy of others. Mm -hmm. Um, and it gets hard. You yell and you scream and you yell and scream. It's kind of, you know what it's like? A toddler. You know what I mean? Like you've seen those toddlers who throw fits to the point of like, and I remember Growing up, when my little sister would throw a fit, my mom would be like, she'll tire herself out, you know? Like, let her tire herself out. No, I told her no. Let her throw her fit, and she'll get tired. And I feel like that's what happens, is I throw these fits, and I just get so tired. I just don't have any more energy left. I can't walk in another march. I can't. It's interesting that you use that because that's, in, I think in a lot of schools, that would be a sign of good parenting. Mm -hmm. But in terms of a country, it is, it's, yeah. it's awful parenting. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of dissect that, uh, that metaphor in this way. Um, but I think it's very, it's very telling and very descriptive. The, our country is just letting activists tire themselves out and then nothing happens. And it's like a machine that way. Um, I will say as far as, because I did do a little bit of research into the case, and part of the reason that it kind of has fallen out of the news is on purpose. Like, this is something yeah, I will absolutely yeah. say. Like, right, this right, is, right, right. But like, we, saw that we thought that was going to happen then. But, like, I mean, very specifically, the Dallas Morning News has requested the autopsy report and the 911 call for the night. The We talked heavy about the um, toxicology report mm -hmm. because she was tested for alcohol, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. And she was drunk, right? Oh, that uh, hasn't actually been said. We don't have that confirmed because we don't have the toxicology report because the DPD is very aggressively stalling on all of that. Because, and they, they even said, like, out loud, the reason we're not going to give you any of this stuff is because we don't want it back in the news. And the argument is right. Like, well, if we don't have it all in the news, then we can still have the trial in Dallas uh, because everyone, because the judge won't say everyone's already too prejudiced about it. But, but that's going to actually make a lot of people equally as prejudiced, I think, to it, because we're already assuming that you're on the negative side. Like, the less transparent you are yeah. to mm -hmm. a community that doesn't trust you, it doesn't, it, we're, but it doesn't have an opposite effect. But again, that's activists, right? Like, the idea is, if it's not in the news, then you won't be able to go to the judge and argue, hey, we can't have this trial here because you, we will not be able to find 12 members of a jury that don't already have their minds made a, up. Is that a bad thing? What's the, what, why do we need to have, I mean, why does it need to happen in Dallas? If, if I don't think if that truly, that's a bad thing If either. we're truly seeking justice here, maybe it shouldn't happen in Dallas. Well, but I don't believe that people are going to approach it from that perspective. I mean, I do. So it's, a, it's an open question, right? Like, this could be good strategy on the part of the DA, right? The DA is saying, which, I mean, 
You know what? No electoral don't, politics. Don't, don't, don't. Uh, so this could be perfectly good strategy on part of the DA saying like, well, there is a conviction to be had of all mm-hmm. the places in the area where it might get moved to. Where do we have the best chance of getting a conviction? The answer is Dallas, right? Yeah. Like if it's Dallas or insert suburb of Dallas here. Yeah. You will probably get a better trial in Dallas or even if, we're, if it's Dallas County or insert county here. Oh, sorry. You'll get you'll get a better trial in Dallas County than yeah. you will in any other county nearby, right? Yeah. So it could be good strategy on part of the DA, but it could also just be like we don't want people we want people to stay quiet about it because we want people to stay quiet about it. Yeah. Because we don't want people to to continue to be angry and to continue to demand justice. You know, so it's it's one of those things that's always mysterious and it's mysterious on purpose. What is it like watching it from there? What it's like watching it from here is that I agree with you all saying that they do want us to stay silent. And for me, my filter, my lens, as a black man that could easily put myself in that situation, I'm thinking, well, you know, we, we talked about this earlier in the conversation is like, this is another instance where it's not safe to be black, especially a black man. So from what I receive, as far as the social media and the reactions here and sort of the question, well, what's happening now, is that there, I think what my reaction is that there has to be something going on that isn't loud, but it's, it's in motion, it's emotion. You know, a lot of people say, you know, the game is to be sold, not told. So, you know, there, there are people who are working behind the scenes who are trying to say, okay, all right, so people, these, when, when voting and things like that come to play, and you don't like how it's playing out with regards to uh, policy reformation and things like that, here is what you can vote for. Or with regards to um, uh, how certain things play out, or as far as information sharing. And so for me, I've had to sort of step back emotionally and, and sort of spiritually and say, uh, you know, what, what, is, what is the bigger picture in all of this? Because I agree with you, DR, and, and I agree with what everyone is saying is that there is still arrested development for me, you know, despite where I am globally, because there, that's, that's still going on, it's persistent. And so since that is persistent, I think a lot of other people um, are saying, okay, I've, I've had enough. I'm tired of screaming. I'm tired of being recognized as if I am a toddler, how can I put my resources and my actions into something that, okay, is, is going to affect change so that next time I can be better prepared to handle um, the next shooting or the next massacre or the next piece of injustice that's inevitably going to come? What am I going to do about that? And that, I think that's the, the, that's the worst part is that you know it's coming. It's like when come, you say, you when say, you the say the, the next, I'm just like, yeah, I can't. I don't want to say that. Yeah. But that's the fact that you, it, but that's, and and I think honestly, we we probably always could have said that. To be fair, sure, absolutely. Um, You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. We, it, it's not super super new, it's not you know. Just the accessibility um, is. I think is it's new. the accessibility to it, and and, and um, I I do think that it's it's the frequency of it that's different. While we could always look forward to another tragedy um, that is going to come. Um, because society has its ills, right? So we, we always know that it's inevitable. The, the downside is that 
the inevitable is going to happen a lot sooner than it would have back in the day, I think. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant about, about how frequently things happened in the past, I but it seems like it happens really. I think that's a hard thing to say because we've got so much has changed um, technology. over the years, technology, as well as access to things. Yeah. Guns and ammunition weren't, you, I, I guarantee you, you couldn't go to Walmart and buy ammo and a gun. Now you can in most states. Right. Um, so. Just by virtue of the fact that Walmart didn't exist. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. So as, 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 as our transportation gets better, as uh, our yeah, industry gets better, we, mm -hmm. we're, we're multiplying all the things. So it just, you know, from mathematically, it just makes mm -hmm. sense that tragedy would also be multiplied. Yeah. Uh, because America? I don't know. Like, because America. And that sucks. And that, and that, and I think that sort of, I, I sort of see these things as sort of recipes for something revolutionary to occur. I mean, when you know, even you know, something as as a bit lighter as like the industrial revolution, mm -hmm. right? Um, when you take certain things that we deem is inevitable or this is going to happen again if we don't do something about it, I think that that is definitely a sort of a catalyst for something to counteract that in a way that the general public is not going to anticipate. So I think that that sort of sets the foundation for something revolutionary to, to happen. How that's gonna look, who that's going to involve, I mean, I'm, I'm asking those questions myself, but in history, that has sort of, sort of like the quiet before the storm, that sort of set the tide for something pivotal to, to happen and take place. But that's the same, it's the same question that you were just talking about, like, like in terms of more, we have more guns, we have more violence, right? Like, the, the difference in power between the state and the people has never been wider. Like, if you're gonna talk about, like, like back in the day, right? In the French Revolution, they seized the Bastille. Good luck seizing Fort Bragg or Fort Hood today. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a very different, is that what we got to do? Because I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, wasn't it Thomas Jefferson that said that every country needs to have a revolution every 200 years? Y'all, we are late. Oh, we, we are late. late. We are. We are we late. late. This might be the I only still, time. I still believe, and this is me personally, I still believe that the power, well, you know, we, we, we all know and recognize the term power to the people, but I, I still believe that, you know, you have to recognize your power within manpower. And so, you know, looking at, group economics and and of course what may be revolutionary might look different now yeah. mm -hmm. um and, and i agree with you with that french revolution i mean you can't definitely you can't have a repeat with that happening i mean you could, if you want to try i just don't <laughs> i don't think this will be the only time i'll advocate for the second amendment right get your arms <laughs> y'all let's go i feel sorry justin go ahead continue i mean with with that with that topic of power and who holds the power and the disparity between you know um, who, had it, who has it and who doesn't, I think that still doesn't excuse us from, from acting in a way of saying, okay, if we come together, we can produce X, Y, Z in a way that'll sort of spark the fire for something else. Absolutely. It just takes a different kind of strategy is all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, and strategy is always key. The thing is, is I think right now, we are in the process of forming strategies like as a collective. Mm -hmm. So like one of the things um, that I keep 
I keep relearning from the the civil rights pilgrimage, right? Because going mm -hmm. back and reading those notes and listening to those things that people are saying, one of the things that he kept saying, uh, it was Julian Bond who kept saying that we, that the leader and the group need to agree on the goal. Mm. Um, mm. And when we're talking about these things, like when he was talking about um, Black Lives Matter specifically, because um, I remember going on the trip, the girl was like, yeah, but don't you think it, like it's doing too much? Um, one of my favorite quotes from him, and I have it written down like several times over now just because it's just my favorite. Um, she was like, don't you think people's time would be better spent helping people instead of always protesting and yelling and screaming? And he said, you were confusing social service and social justice. Ooh. Oh, that's really good. Because it's Julian line. Bond, right? Because like, you know what I mean? Bond. Like, like, of course. The yeah, but like, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not special. I'm just repeating. Um, <laughs> but, but he was saying you're confusing the two. And the thing that we have to do is create a world where social justice, well, so, social service is not needed. If we can create a world where social service is not needed, social justice has already been done. Mm -hmm. um, and so mm -hmm. I think understanding that, that concept when you're talking about um, it just looks different and we have to have, we, with the strategies and understanding that, understanding that even when you look back at the civil rights movement of the 60s, that there were, like Justin was saying, that you know, people working behind the scenes there were people working behind the scenes, but there were people on the front. And I think yeah. right now, we've got this flip where everybody yes. wants to be out on front, and ain't nobody in the back. <laughs> oh, I was, I was thinking you were going a different way, because I don't, this might be my ignorance, but who is in the front? I think when I say the front, I mean any time that we're posting something on social media. Oh, I mean... Any time that we're marching in a march. I mean, any time that we're showing up at all of the vigils, which is fine. I'm not saying that that is not a thing. I'm not saying that um, so <laughs> that social justice, uh, like uh, social media is not a place for that. I think that you cannot discount that. And that was one thing um, that Jarnell had said um, on one of our episodes too, he, is he was saying how important it still is to have that social media because that is a tool for us. But I think any time that we are doing that, and then, we, like, who can we point to in the back? Like, for example, Attorney Gray was the one who was considered the, the civil rights movement's attorney. He was the attorney for Dr. King and the attorney for Rosa Parks. And he was the attorney um, for the Tuskegee experiment, right? So you can point to that person moving in the back or the five women when Rosa Parks was out in the front, the five women who were actually in court, because Rosa wasn't in court, it was the five other women that were in court. Those people are the people that were behind the scenes. But who do we know right now? We've got, and, and here's the thing, I may be ignorant and not know, but the point is, is I don't know. Well, I don't know either. I wanna, I feel like I can, I see the people behind the scenes. I feel like I see that. On a local uh, level or on a, a national level or I mean, both? I think both. Okay. I think I can find those organizations that are doing a lot of amazing work, but I can't point to a leader that espouses what I believe or what I hope to believe or what's going on there. Like right now, maybe just because of the elections right now, Beto O'Rourke, mm -hmm. like is he my leader? I don't know. Right. Um, 
And I can't point to, but I also can't point to anybody else here. I can't point to anybody. There's no one that I will follow is what I'm saying. And yeah. that could be my ignorance. I will totally, um, I will own that. But off the top of my head, who do I want to follow? So here's what I want to propose to the group or ask the group rather. Because again, in my Julian Bond archives, because that dude was brilliant. Um, one of the things that he did uh, in his speech to us too is he was comparing SCLC to SNCC. And he said the thing about the Southern Christian Leadership uh, Committee was that it focused heavily on the leader. Mm -hmm. And so when Dr. King fell or whoever happened to be at the helm, mm -hmm. so then with the group. Mm -hmm. And SNCC was not like that. Mm -hmm. um, SNCC was about really the totality of the gifts. So yes, you saw people out front, but realistically speaking, it wasn't one more than the other to the, as big of a swing as SCLC is what he was saying. So you had people that you knew, like this person's really good with words, and that's what he was saying. I was always known as being, he was, he was super educated, his parents were um, professors, uh, college professors and stuff like that, deans and presidents of colleges. He was good with words, and he recognized himself as a wordsmith. And that's what he did, that was his gift. And then you had other people in SNCC who were like, yeah, I'm good with speaking. I don't do words so good, but I'm good with speaking. Like, so my, my question to the group then is, is when you say, who do I follow? I don't know how to follow. I'm just asking, do, do we want an SCLC versus a SNCC? Do we, do, do we, do we need a leader? Or, or should we sneak yes. this out? I think that's a great question. Um, I, think, I think depending on what you are following, I think we should, you know, so my answer would be, in some cases, yes, in other cases, no. So what I like about uh, the Black Lives Matter sort of movement and, and what it is is that it's sort of like decentralized leadership um, and saying, okay, you are the one who is responsible for all of this. Um, and also, for example, you know, uh, Me Too, I mean, you know, it's something that was something that was legit addressing, you know, the the disenfranchisement and, and sexual harassment of women who struggle to come forward and saying, okay, here's our shared story, and I have space and inclusion to share my story. I think if you if you sort of take that decentralization and and pitch it as like, I'm not running this, but this is for you all then I think a lot of other people can, can open up and, and sort of use that space to make moves and things like that. And I think that's really contingent upon uh, what they are doing um, that has inspired them. But in, but in this case, I don't think you necessarily need a leader up front before you, before you act or before you, you go. You I mean, I don't know. Even Snick had Stokely Carmichael. Like... But so I think what he was trying to say is that that was a face. But that's but still a leader to me. Like I totally get that. I what, totally get that. I guess my I guess my question is I who are we following and what they do is something different. If if that leader is really going to be connected to the group, I think that's the way to go. I mm -hmm. think Snick is the right way to go. But you still need a face. You still need mm -hmm. somebody out there. Um, and they had it. They had Stokely Carmichael, and he was doing amazing things on behalf of Snick with uh, with LBJ. Um, but I don't know who our Stokely is 
or our Martin Luther. Like, honestly, right now, I'll take anything, you know, the the, the, the Southern Christian movement or SNCC. I just, I don't right. know who to follow. I'll take any movement. Yeah. Any movement would be good. I mean, you look like you disagreed for a second. Let's do it. Come on. Well, no. I mean, I, I, I are we like, we were like, wow. Yeah, we're going to box. Nobody, yeah. nobody is seeing this right now, but we were like full, like, like <laughs> fighting game before the actual match starts, you know? Like, we're like, you see the two people and they're like doing the little poses. Yeah, yeah. I play a lot of video games. <laughs> See, I support it's, this. It's, okay. it's low-key like a, a cross between that and like right before an 80s dance battle. <laughs> 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 no, okay. No, I was just going to say I think that um, I think that I mean, I like what you were saying about like in terms of leaderless movements and the idea of like of decentralizing. Mm -hmm. But I also agree that I think what you want is you want a face that understands that we need to find a way to decouple um, being the face of a movement from being the decision maker of a movement. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that that for a long time, right, like MLK was making a lot of the decisions. And I think that's what I meant by the, the face versus, yes. I think or even like, and there was, this is interesting because like part of what we now like about Malcolm is the degree to which he was independent from the Nation of Islam, which we now yeah. see as problematic in a lot of ways. Mm. But what the nation, the nation's issue with Malcolm is, you too independent. We're right. supposed to be making decisions as a, well, but even then it wasn't we're making decisions as a collective. Yeah. It was we're making decisions as an Elijah Muhammad. But right. you know, let's say. Let's, yes, let's, but let's, yes. But yeah, pretend. Yeah, yes, yes, pretend that what they really said is what they meant. We're making, right. <laughs> let's pretend that when we said, we're making decisions as a nation. We didn't mean we're making decisions as an Elijah Muhammad. Yeah. And to be clear, this is not against the no, nation. No, this is not against the nation. Yo, the nation did a lot of good stuff. And still. It right. To this day, does a lot of great stuff. But, yeah, I think it, it, but, it is a lot of what was said against him. Which, and, I, and, so, and so, and to to that argument, I get that, right? Because... If they're if they have a goal in mind, mm -hmm. and Malcolm, who also is like one of my all-time favorite people, but um, if if he out there in the streets doing things that are counterintuitive to their goal, right. whatever it is, they have every right to be like, yo. I don't think anybody uh -huh. had any right. I don't know assassination. So that's what I said. Now, I don't, like, do move? you see? You see what I said? I don't. I don't know that they had any right to like. I didn't say that. I said they had every right to be like, "Yo, I ain't." Say, I don't support it. But you need the, to fall that's, back. That's the group right. saying it, not the federal people coming in and assassinating somebody. So, like, the group has the every ability to keep their leaders in check. It is very unclear as to who assassinated Malcolm X. They may, the extent to which they are affiliated with uh, the Nation of Islam and or the federal government of the United States is as of yet undetermined. I feel like we, we stuff it. Listen, listen, allegedly. we need to be, we need to be putting allegedly in there because, you know, people be, people be following people Come these for me. days. That's fine. He said, oh, yes. DR said, You Come said, I'm going to storm the fort. He said, Come for me today. <laughs> But no, but no, like, yes, assassination, not so much is what I was going for. But I'm just saying, like, if, if you have, you have, my belief is that we do need a leader. Uh -huh. I agree. But we also need followers who will challenge the and leader. And hold that leader accountable. And I hold, hold the leader accountable. Agree with that. So it needs to be 
this marriage well, of, of people. And to some extent, right, this is, again, getting back to like the promise of leaderless movements and movements that are led largely through social media is, okay, so on one hand, right, Twitter is a very effective medium, actually, for keeping people within a given ideological frame. It, it's effectively a very effective medium for ideological discipline, right? Right. Because if you step out of line with what not, not what any leader thinks, but with what the group thinks, yeah. the group as like a decentralized network will like blow Come up for your you. whole yeah. entire yeah. life. Come directly no. for you. Right? And, and if you don't believe me, ask the damn beehive, because them oh have come out the woodwork. But Ironically, it's worked for, it, you are 100% with the one caveat being 45. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. But that's because, again, that's it's good for enforcing ideological discipline mm -hmm. within a movement. Yeah, but that's true. For instance, like, before he was elected, if he had been on Twitter and he had said something the MAGA heads hated, they would have tore up his shit. That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you are in the movement. But here's the issue, right? If you rely on social media to be your place where your the group gives information to the leader, mm -hmm. then the leader has to do everything out in public. And unfortunately, as long as we live in a world like, this goes back to electoral politics, if we had every confidence that the United States government would not use its power to impede the organizing work of whatever movement we want to happen, then like, fine, do everything in public, who cares? Right. You don't have to be secret about anything. Right. But we all know the history of the CIA and the FBI and et cetera, et cetera, and, the, and now the NSA, right. whatever, who of course did everything they could to impede movements. And you can argue to the extent, the extent to which that is still true today, like, how much would Eric Holder have spied on Black Lives Matter activists? I don't know. How much would Jeff Sessions spy on Black Lives Matter act activists? I do know because he made right. a fake category called Black Identity Extremists so he could prosecute them. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's great that we have this ability to have the public give input on anything leadership does, right? Like Sean King is a great example. Like maybe Sean King's not the one to follow, but when Sean King steps out of line and does something that people are like, mm, I don't know, bruh, like he gets it, yeah. you know? And he is a leader of the movement, I think is a fair yeah. thing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he does something that people are really with, he also gets that approval. Like you see like, like boom, everybody's with you. Yes, we didn't hear about this story, Sean. Thank you so much for promoting it. We're like really, you know what I mean? So like, it's great to have that public feedback mechanism, but where's the balance between the public feedback mechanism and the fact that there are people who do not want you to succeed who have a lot of power? So, like, it's like I, it's like I feel like we almost have a solution to the problem. Yeah. But then we don't because, and then I will also say one more thing about quickly, and I'm gonna shut up. But about social media, um, I. I'm really not one to be like, ooh, social media pylons are bad, because I think it's actually a very effective means yeah. of sending information back and forth between a mass populace and a leader. But we do also have to get to the point where it's not throw away the leader if they did something we didn't like. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, it can't be where like, okay, and now we think that Sean King needs to stop his whole career because he did say this one really messed up thing. Yeah. Or we found out this one really messed up thing that he did 15 years ago. Right. And everybody is angry on social media about it. So, like, I, I had a very similar conversation uh, with a coworker of mine recently um, where I said, you know, I... Okay, let me give the example that we were talking about. He has a problem with... Also, full disclosure, I have a really unhealthy obsession with the royal family. 
Um, Lol. I like full disclosure. I have to go he ahead could have and just laughed out loud. You, he could have. No, nope. he could. But lol was better. I chose not to. Instead. All right. We were just talking about social media. I was being a social media person. This this is why I'm old. Like because cool you prefer to just go. Just, <laughs> I prefer to laugh out loud. Nope. Actually. When when you actually have an opportunity to absolutely. Impact. Okay, but also I was that person that said that's funny in like 2007 instead of laughing. Apparently, that's I just true. don't laugh. That's true. That is true. And That's actually, <laughs> actually, you still do that. Just to be clear, oh, totally you do. do. You sorry. still say That's funny. And you say it with the exact same. Like, <laughs> he, yes. he do, And and it's really hard I'm to know sorry. if it really like, is wait, wait, funny. What? Are you being right. sarcastic it's, now? It's hard no, to, I'm not. It's hard to know if I really am funny because no, he just goes. Funny. I just didn't laugh. <laughs> he just goes, oh. That's funny. As someone uh, that <laughs> likes to make jokes, it's really important to have that yeah, feedback from the audience of actual you're... laughing. Just <laughs> FYI. Bless. This but, isn't work. Thank you. Good job. Yes, Good you, you did it. Fake you laugh. did it. That wasn't fake. That was no, real. Your laugh. <laughs> so you can do it. So there's that. Um, so Growth and learning happening at Echoes. Go we're ahead, doing. Janelle. We're I'm doing so our thing. No, we're totally. Listen, we're growing as humans. Um, so. Again, with my, my I do, I, I, I know way too much about the royal family, um, way, way too much about the royal family. Um, and so I was saying to her that I have a friend who would say something about like Prince Harry and like, yes, he's married Meghan Markle, but he's also the cat who had the swastika on his arm um, back in 2005, you know, as a Halloween costume, right? And the question that I keep asking is, at what point do we allow humans to be humans? Like, I, so like, I, I, get, I get the point. Mm -hmm. I do get the point that, that many times as a, a community that is consistently disenfranchised and disempowered and all of these things, right? It's really hard to divorce that when you look at straight white men who have pretty much everything handed to mm -hmm. them from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. where, 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 or let me just say, not handed to them, but straight white men where the basics are already a given. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a given, it's a foundation. You can, you can absolutely disrupt that. Um, your economic status can change that to some degree, but there are things that are generally afforded to straight white male I would people. say that's social opportunity. I'll go with that. I, you know, okay, I'm sorry. It's like brief aside. I know you're trying to tell stories about Prince George No, 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 Harry. I'm not telling the story. No, about we're talking him. about he, being humans, being humans, yes. letting people make mistakes. How do we do that? Fair. How do we yeah. do that gracefully? And how do we do that accountability-wise at the same time? There's got to yeah. be that happy medium. At mm -hmm. what point do we stop saying, because we're talking about a guy who is now married and about to be a, a father uh. in 2018. And in 2005, he was like, what, 19, I think? Yeah. Because I know that. Yeah, I he like how you're 19. like, I think, girl, you know he it. Yes, he was <laughs> 19. Okay. okay, to be fair, to be fair, the royal family was once very attractive. Things have happened since then. I think Harry's cute. Harry's still good looking. The other one. Ginger, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. He is super handsome. No? There's one that used to be hot and is now like bald and old and looks yeah, a little kind of boiled. Him. 
Yeah, that's that's William. Yeah, oh. that's he was really hot, and I was all on board. And then I was like, "Oh, Harry is where it's at." But, but no, the, the one that's married to Mary, Meghan Markle is good looking. Yes. Yes yes, 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 yes. But I don't really know what that has to do. Never mind. Um, it with, does with though. Attractive, human. attractive people well get uh, uh, afforded a lot more things. There's there's, there's attractive well privilege here. Oh my there god, desirability politics. Here we go. Yes, that I is mean, true. not that I know anything about this at all. He I says, like to think I do, says, but yes. you know, I'll just <laughs> yes. I'll wait till the compliments yes. start rolling in online. Yeah, it's true. It's comment, true. Comment, comment. Yes, like, like, like. <laughs> but no, I, I, like, I think what my point to my friend was this is like, yes, you're right. He did make this mistake, um, and I think sometimes it's easier. Okay, a better example too. MLK, it has come out and, mm-hmm. and been accused of all of the wrongs he had mm-hmm. done in his marriage. Mm-hmm. We still got MLK Day. We still laud him as a great leader, right? Yeah. He was allowed, and people were like, hey, yeah, but he still did these great things, right? Yeah. He still did these things. But that same grace isn't applied cross <coughs> racial, ethnic. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I think. Um, it, it's not that same grace is applied. I, it almost feels like sometimes at the whim of. It's almost uh, it's it's uh, it's it's in contingent with how popular or how important that person is for a mm-hmm. movement or a country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, we're also talking about a, a huge change. We've already talked about it in terms of like the advancements in our technology and yeah. media. Um, I guarantee you, if we had what we have now during his time, he would not have gotten where he is today at all because we would have learned about these things in real time. Mm. But I think you're asking a really good question, as I do the idea of, like, can you and should you separate uh, the person from uh, the leadership, the art or their movement or their profession? Can we do that and should we do that? Bill Cosby is a prime example Mm. of that. Um, and a lot of our leaders about that, like, <laughs> did it not taste good? <laughs> I did not like that. <laughs> okay, all right. What you were not able to see is that the, the, the mention of Bill Cosby's name, Janelle spit out a melon. And I did not know if that was like, ooh, I crossed a line with, with, with uh, the Puddin' Pop Man, uh, or if it was the taste of a melon. And I think I'll let Janelle speak for the experience. It was a horrible melon. <laughs> it was the melon. <laughs> I want y'all to know the melon was half of her mouth, <laughs> and the whole half of the dude opened her mouth, and the whole half of the melon fell out. It, it was, was like so funny. It was a one-two punch. Literally, the melon just kept coming out. Like, <laughs> like you know how there's some things that you can eat. You you take a bite of it. You're like, I'll I committed this bite. I'll take it. I'll I'll, I'll take no. one for the team. No, no no no, Janelle. It was the body expelled it <laughs> yes. out of her mouth. I didn't want it. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, I didn't like it. I'm sorry. Do not apologize. <laughs> That was okay. so funny. Okay, anyway, okay. Bill Cosby. Uh, Bill Cosby is a great example. <laughs> and I think your reaction is what many people have uh, when they hear that name right now. So, but I don't, I don't know where we go with that. Like, where does forgiveness lie in in our country right now? And grace? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I believe women. So I believe that <laughs> uh, what he did to uh, tens of of. Ma- Tens of women, yeah. um, which makes it sound really, really minimal when you say it like that. But like 60. over, but over no. fifty. So like, so like, think about it like this: one woman every day for two months. 
Wow. That's, that's... Or a one woman, or one woman every six months in his career that we. It just never stopped. That yeah, we that's, know of. That's disgusting. Yeah. But I still can't. There's still a part of me that can't, Ooh. cannot. Uh, separate amazing experiences watching my my favorite episode is uh rudy getting nah. her menstruation really? uh that i i loved i loved that gonna be the night and day because everybody has the night and day episode is there night and day the singing yeah, yeah. there's that one the um, monopoly one yeah. but it was really it was right i was waiting for the monopoly, monopoly one. Yeah. it was Ugh. really it was really uh yeah, rudy's uh her first her first yeah. period and just yeah. the love that Claire had for Rudy in that moment and the desire to be alongside her in mm-hmm. that moment and mm-hmm. to actually have that, that, this uh, talk and this, this talk. Yeah. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, what's the, the phrase? It's a ritual, but it's also, um, um, God, what do they call it when you do something and you, you cross it's over? It's something that you're passing It's a down. transition. Yeah, yeah, it's, I don't uh, know what you're talking about. I know what you're saying, but I don't. But that, that doesn't exist in our country in a lot of ways. And so yeah. I, and women have that built into their biology is this, uh, this rite of passage. That's oh, what it is, yeah. Um, and I love that episode so much. Yeah. And I can't deviate that in uh, hundreds of other episodes. Oh. His stand-up was amazing. Yeah. Um, he's probably one of the only black people my father actually saw as a human being. So mm. like Bill Cosby did a lot of amazing things and I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, can I not watch a, a rerun episode if they're even on anymore? What do I do when that comes up? There's a part of me that's like, I have to change the channel, but then there's the, you know, 12 year old in me that's like, what's, but this, there's you, you're so much a part of my childhood and my understanding and my growing up and yeah. all of those things. And I think that's the part that I have an issue with too. I, I, you know, even within that concept, it's been a, a really weird thing because, you know, you have these people who are like, yeah, but, you know, he was trying to, all this came out at this time and blah, blah, blah. And he blah, was going to buy he was, in the, he was about, whereas you may be, may or may not be right, but it came out. Wait, what happened? What, what? He was trying to buy NBC and oh, so. But like not real. But right. And so, but that's what's being said is he was trying to buy NBC and they shut him down because he's a black man trying to buy NBC. The same way that, what's his face? Uh, uh, Birth of a Nation. What's his name? Oh yeah. Mm, Nate Parker. That guy. Okay. See, he but the problem with that is that movie was not that good. But anyway. Uh, Neither here nor there. But. But again, <laughs> art. We're talking about art, attractive art. things. Like, if it was good, we might be having a different conversation. But I mean, we would be. He would still be. If that movie had been good, despite the things that he did, he, he, he would still be popping. He would have another movie out by now. Pro- yes. Not even probably. Likely. But but um, the same thing was happening with him. He was trying to do something else, right? Please tell me you're trying to put that cream cheese on the melon to make I it am. taste good. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> That would have been so funny. Honestly, I would have enjoyed that so much. Um, If I can speak quickly to um, the question of what we do with people, do we throw them away? It's not so much a question to me of ethics. It's a question of, or not on on terms of like just individual, like evaluating their specific ethics. Like, can I still respond to you? What ethical line do you have to cross before I have to throw you away? Mm -hmm. To me, it's not about that. It's about how do I take care of the other people that I understand to be in my coalition? And even more, how do I take care of people that I understand to be in my community, right? Mm. So like, okay, let's say somebody does, somebody says like an anti-Asian slur, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not Asian, I'm not gonna feel that like Mm -hmm. on the visceral level that Mm -hmm. I would feel it if you were talking about something that is me, that is my life, my identity, my experience, right? But then I also for sure can't be the first person to be like, oh, well, you know, there's no problem with them. You know, I mean, that was bad, whatever that they did, but you know, they're super important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, 
so I feel like we almost have to have a way of saying it is the right of, and this is difficult, right? But it feels like the direction we're going is to be able to say it is the right of a group of people that were hurt to forgive or not forgive, to welcome or not welcome. And it's our obligation as like, I mean, I, we, we, one day there's going to be an episode about this word, but as allies. It's true. It's, I, I was just talking about the ally episode that one day we're going to have. But as allies, I feel like it's almost our obligation to just roll with the decision of the community that's actually affected. Do you know what I mean? But I don't know about that. But at, so, at least to some degree to take that into consideration. But if that group is perpetuating racism, I don't want to stand behind that. But I'm saying, well, I mean, not like, again, we're talking about people who are actually injured. Like, I, I, I don't know what you, what you would mean by perpetuating racism. I'm saying like, like, if you, I'm saying we do need to listen to the people who have been attacked. Like, on, even on a gender level, right? I wouldn't be ready to say, well, let's bring back Cosby. I would be ready to say, like, what do women think about bringing back Cosby? Sure, but you're also putting the ownership on a group of people that's already been marginalized who may not know how to use their voice because of what's been happening in the past. Yeah. So, But I, I feel like it's better to solicit and, like, sure, try to listen. solicit, absolutely. That's, there's been many... Convers times I've been in conversations with people, and it's been me and a bunch of fucking white people talking about shit, and there's one person that's at that table, literally, who identifies as the group that we're talking about, and many times I had to be like, hold up, guys, maybe two hours later, sorry. I've been like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a great conversation. We're spitting in circles here. Why don't we turn to Jose and ask him about the immigration experience, which is actually a little bit racist if I say it like that. I'm very sorry, but what I'm trying to get at is there have been many times I've been in a, a group of people, we've been talking about something, and a group of people, and there's an actual person I, who, who identifies that from that group person. and mm -hmm. they're just being quiet the entire time. And there's been many times that I've stopped the conversation and put it more pointed because there's always alcohol involved. And I've been like, let's talk to Joe. And Joe's like, whoa, slow down. I wasn't ready for that Yeah, spotlight. right. That's the other thing. And, yeah. And so then I get like, I look like the bad guy. I'm like, yeah. well, I was so Well, that's also why I think that like, once we're, if we're talking about an individual conversation, that's one thing, because that, that individual person may or, not, may or may not want to be like, I'm the representative of Team right. Negro. Right. Sure, but, but, but the white people want to talk about it is that they're the are representative of that group, so why can't we give that, that, uh, that opportunity to someone there who actually Well, right, there has to be like a social form to give someone an opportunity without saying like, okay, now you're on the spot to represent sure. Negroes. But I'm saying, if we're talking about on a social level, you can't tell me that you're not going to be able to find a reaction. Again, like, uh, maybe I just have too much faith in Twitter. But, like... <laughs> well, and I'm also not on Twitter. So all these questions I've been asking, I feel like the answer oh is... God, my takeaway to that is I have to Twitter. join Twitter. Yes. I mean... You have to, you have to become a Twitterer. Oh, God. But, <laughs> no, but, like, if you... If you... If you okay, no, don't even say Twitter. Fine, just Google. <laughs> you can find sure. multiple perspectives, and you'll always find a perspective on both sides, right? You yeah. will always find... You'll find any number of black women who are ready to cape for Cosby, which is surprising to me, but it's true. Um, but at the same, I, I think you can get a sense of broadly, are people like, yes, let's, let's keep him, let's like rehabilitate him and bring him back into the fold versus when people have really crossed the line where, where everyone this is. This is where, but like, but the thing is, is everybody's line is different, you I, know? And so there's never going to be a time that there's going to be a consensus where as a movement we just. Do you, do you course, know what I mean? Because like, it's a group every, of people. Right. Everybody's line is going to be different. You know, with, uh, with Colombia now, you know, there it's an ongoing conversation nationally of what forgiveness looks like with yeah. the reintegration and 
weaponization of and it is look because i'm gonna be honest i ain't never been columbia a colombian except for that one time i lived there and I, I i tried to claim it um but like my okay so i tried really hard to to ask the questions right and the more i talk to people there's no way to not empathize with these people specifically in the red zone and stuff like that where you know and and of course i'm getting my own as they're telling the story they're also talking about the u.s forces that have come in and raped and pillaged their people as well can we put a pause on this and just kind of bring me up to speed sure my ignorance is is really coming out right now i'm so sorry what are we talking about uh not so much i think it's mostly because we live there so thank you um I, no. don't, I also don't know very much about it. I know loosely that FARC is a thing, and there was recently like a thing where we are ending our long-standing, basically low-key civil war. Right? It was not a low-key civil war. It was oh, a straight-up like civil war full for on civil war. 60 years, 60-plus years. And it ended while I was there. I was mm-hmm. there wow. at the call for peace. Did you go to that rally that night? I don't, I, I no, no, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, no I, I didn't go to that rally night, but I remember that night. Yeah. You know, that very, they, very you know they had yeah. a whole vote to see if they wanted to mm-hmm. have peace so what we're talking about um, there's a civil war between two groups of people FARC and Col- and the national FARC government the, yeah the okay. national government yes okay. um and FARC is is this long-standing it's kind of like looking at it like a big gang of sorts that is kind of and then you've got a lot of subsidiary gangs that that are mm. in their own little I, I don't know what you bandillas no no say I don't know what you would call them like the other ones right you've got some subsidiaries three other sub you know subgroups as well yeah. yeah yeah but FARC is the the main the main thing and it's it's been but going they have sets they have what was it sets they have sets yes they definitely have sets and hoods and they be repping um so FARC and and the national it's been this huge and I am not at all as educated as I I need to be either um, which probably explains why I moved to Colombia because I didn't even know that there was a civil war when I decided to move to Colombia. <laughs> um, I made a decision. Somebody was like, you know, they were in a war. And I was like, I'm already committed. I'm going out there. So I, it is what it is. Um, but um, yeah, the civil war for 60 plus years, we're talking this long standing argument between they and the government. And, and the thing is, is that the government, of course, runs Colombia, but they come in and do their business, be it drugs, terror, what have you. And then they generally escape to, what, Venezuela? They can cross the border. Yeah, Venezuela, they can cross the border, escape into the mountains. Into the mountains. And Venezuela won't send them back, essentially. And so they've because been managing. Because it's broadly a leftist movement, right? Yes. And obviously, Venezuela has a leftist government. Ish, right. Don't get me onto Venezuelan politics. Uh, Venezuela says it has a leftist government. There we go. Let's go with that. Um, Allegedly. um, so yes, they, so they and then they won't send them. They won't send them back so that they could be extradited. Uh, yeah, so that they could be you know tried. punished or tried or what have you. So anyway, they've been going back and forth, and they're trying to end the civil war. And in trying to end the civil war, the national government says, "Look, um, we've got to figure out a way to do this because we're sending people to the red zone and people are being killed." And to be fair, if I tell you my own personal opinion on that. Mostly it's poor people, which mm-hmm. BT dubs not different from any other country mm-hmm. of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got these 
poor kids who think the only way out is to go to the army. That doesn't sound familiar to anybody. Mm-hmm. To the army. Mm-hmm. Um, Never heard of that. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, Where would it's that? It's like a really weird happen. thing. But they think that's the only way to get out. And of course, depending on how much money that you have, you can buy an exemption. I don't remember what it's called. It's como like una libreta, like a, a book of some yeah, sort. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can exempt your way out of uh, doing that service. As long as you have money. So you just buy the libreta or whatever. What? So you've got these poor people who I are going no to. I have no idea where that or like what country might have a, a president that had bone spurs that got the What? Yeah, it's, it's the thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually something that is very specific to Colombia. So um, they have gone out. Um, <laughs> And these these babies are dying, really, to be fair, because that's the only way that they're getting out. That's the way that they can at least send some money back. They're being sent to the red zone. And so the government is like, look, we've got to end this war. And FARC is like, yeah, cool, we can end it, but this is what we want. Mm, and mm-hmm. then there's this long list of things. And some of the things that are on that list are things like, great, we need XYZ money to re-enter the community. Um, so if you are of XYZ level in FARC, Bark. they give you a, si- a stipend of, do you remember wow. how much? What is it about like, it's, I believe it's monthly. It's a monthly something for a portion of, for a year or two years? About two years. Yeah, two two years. years. So they give you a monthly stipend to re-enter into normal society for uh, two years, and after that you have forgiveness, which means that technically you could be seated in government, in regular government within two years. Um, So, and that's just one of the conditions. The conditions were like, what was it, 1520? Like stipulations that they asked for. Um, And the government agreed to these stipulations. These, yes, and won the uh, the Nobel Peace Prize because peace. Well, I mean, and and, and, okay, but I, I get that. And, I, and I, I think it's very interesting, right, that there's an economic response to, I'm sure what to one side is terrorists and to another side is... is Freedom Friders or whatever. Leftif- leftist but revolutionaries. Because I think it may have started that way. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what they are. But I, I, if you look at the, no, I'm just, the history I would of, just imagine, I'm imagining. Okay, okay. To one side it looks yes, like yes, this, yes, to yes, another yes. side it looks okay, like that. I'm with that. Yeah, 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 that's the yes. I'm with that. And I, I, I just think um, it's interesting that, like, I assume this is a leftist movement. It was probably started to be like, we need things like land reform. And essentially, we need economic integration for a bunch of poor people. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that they managed to win economic integration for the leaders of for their themselves. Right, because it's only the leaders, right? Am I, am I, and listen, you guys do your own fact check, but, but Justin, am I wrong? Because it's only like a certain level, right? Like the, the, the heads are definitely exempt and able because they got the most money too. But like, am I, am I right? It's not the entire, it's not everybody in FARC. Because when you think about how big and vast FARC is, right. there's no way, Colombia is already a country in poverty. There's no way mm-hmm. that could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it has to be, they've got to draw a line in the sand. So, you know, basically shifting that whole hierarchy into normal society. And since those people, I mean, you know, you, you can Google pictures of FARC uh, leaders shaking hands with the president. And so you have those people, you know, documented. So when they come to regular society, yeah, they, they have those exemptions on deck ready for them. It's interesting that it seems like part of the movement was for economic, uh, maybe equality. And here we are like 
perpetuating like a class system from mm-hmm. their own organization into society. Like part of me is not mad because I think that's like ingenious negotiation to set yourself up to come back. Yeah, the negotiation wasn't <clears throat> stupid. It, I but just it doesn't wasn't trickle on down possibly all the way down. And that's to me like kind of counterproductive to – because, you know, I'm a, I'm a FARC expert now. Just right. FYI. I right. 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 With, with, the, with the very minimal information uh-huh. that the I gave you that I even have in my own interview. I'm American. I just read the titles of <laughs> articles. And That's I'm how you know things. That's how you know an things. Expert. Um, I do want to bring this back because this whole conversation started with Justin bringing up the idea of what forgiveness is looking ah, like in yeah. Colombia right now. And so oh, I'm yeah. curious, Justin. Now, thank you, Janelle and Justin, for that. Uh, that very um, uh, Monarch Notes, Cliff Notes <laughs> uh, rendition of FARC. I appreciate it. But I want to get back to what you were talking about. Like, what does forgiveness look like? Like, is, is this... And, c- could try- there, and trying to... Is this a blueprint that we can look at? I don't know. Um, Janelle is shaking her head. Janelle said no. That... Uh, oh. Well, well, well I, I do want to preface it in saying that, you know, I, I threw out a national example of what the country would do as far as what forgiveness would look like. Um, I think in time, yes, they could execute it because there will be, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound very uh, dismissive, but there will be certain people in power that are making bad decisions, very corrupt decisions that will die off. And there will be younger people in our cohort that get the picture and that will execute those things as far as uh, de-weaponizing, uh, uh, reintegration and things like that, those sort of heavy points on the peace process. So I think that it can happen. I think it's going to be delayed a of, you know, for a while, maybe another decade or so. But I believe that it can happen, and I believe that it can be somewhat of a blueprint for other countries. I mean, I think that, you know, for example, the ministry between South Korea and North Korea, they're still trying to figure out what their sort of uh, uh, role in assisting North Koreans and North Korean refugees would look like in sort of reintegrating what once was one Korea. And so, I really think that Colombia, I think a lot of eyes are on Colombia. You know, you got, you know, uh, issues in, in, in Venezuela and things like that. But I think a lot of eyes are in Colombia specifically because I think that they can be one of the first to exercise nationally what forgiveness looks like. And so I'm, I'm very hopeful in that. And I think that they, they can do it. I think they can walk it out. I think the other thing about that in terms of, like, forgiveness is maybe – us understanding that forgiveness comes at different times, times. for different people. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I think, and I think, I think of this specifically with my experience in talking to my students at the time when all of this was playing out. And I had students on either side. Mm-hmm. I had, usually the younger students were like, nah, F them, no. Let's really? not, they were anti-peace. My mm-hmm. younger students were anti-peace. I don't know what your, ex, what is your experience? I feel like my older students were... Most of them were anti-peace. Yeah. yeah. Most of them were. Which I think is very interesting because it, sends, it teams, tends to be the opposite here. You've got this younger, very liberal mm-hmm. group in the U.S. who's all like, listen, we want equality and, and all of that. And then there, it's, it's a little different. Hmm. They're like, no, no. They need to be held 1,000% responsible and all of that, which I think is also very interesting when the people who suffered the most under FARC are the older people. Exactly. And they are the ones who are asking for peace, for peace which I think, stop. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that's the Give thought process. is like, want. look, whatever we got to do away. 
to like make it stop because I'm sure they've seen their brothers, cousins, and yeah, yeah. you know, fathers sent to this war or what have you, right? Um, and so I think if we're gonna talk about a blueprint, because in my head when I said no, it's not a blueprint, it's because I sat in the middle for one of my classes and it, I was supposed to be teaching gerunds and infinitives that day. And um, the class went back and forth for two hours. In um, English? No. Oh. Like it went back wow. and forth. It went back and forth. Oops. So like they were doing, because it is really hard to <laughs> find kidding. those words and like, I'm right? No, no. But you know what I mean? Like they went back and forth in English and they were trying to explain it. Sure. And then they got angry, which is what you normally do. You go to your primary Native. language, yeah, right? Totally. When you get angry and they got angry with each other. And I was like, this ain't an example of nothing. Like y'all ain't accomplishing not nary a thing by yelling at each other. Mm. Um, and it was, it was this, I wish I had taken a picture. I had, I wish I had taken, I took a picture of my face that day on Snapchat <laughs> um, because I didn't want to take a picture of my kids. But yeah, I wish sure, I had sure. taken a picture because <clears throat> I had them, I separated them on two different sides and made them argue the point. I, d I didn't ask them what they thought. I made them argue the point. But the groups literally shifted. Mm -hmm. And it was a physical shift wow. where I, I had 25 students and I had, you know, half on the wow. side. And at some point, the other people, you would see, like, they'd get up to go to the bathroom and then they'd come back and sit on the side that they agreed with. Wow. Or they wow. would move to the other side. It was this physical yeah. thing of their belief. And I'm like, this is not helpful yeah. because all you're doing is yelling and so that's my idea when you say like is this a is this a a, a, a blueprint or an example and I'm like no because that's what I think of yeah is this shift where it's just a bunch of people yelling but if we look at it from kind of like what Justin was saying and also realizing that forgiveness will come to different people at different times I and it that. will show itself at different times I think that would be a good blueprint blueprint and I think I think we're forgetting something here so um, I've cracked the code y'all are you ready I'm this ready. is how we learn to forgive uh, it really has to start with the person we're talking about if we see them approach the situation with humility with a genuine desire to change or seek uh, uh, repentance and seek um, forgiveness that is that that starts the conversation mm -hmm. until that happens we're gonna be in this this world of trying to figure out how do we forgive because that's the only way that you can the only way that I'm going to forgive you Janelle is if you piss me off is if you come to me and you say hey I know I fucked up mm -hmm. I did something really bad I'm really sorry mm -hmm. and that is the moment where I can say I appreciate that Janelle thank you very much mm -hmm. I'll get back to you right I'll let you know but the interesting thing know. with that right is a, a lot of the things especially in the case of me too but a lot of other movements is that apology would often I imply legal culpability. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I say fuck that bullshit. Here's the thing. Me Too is a fucking weird-ass thing right now because I do believe that um, in this situation, you are guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. Um, and I well, think... I mean, I and think the thing is, is because you can't... It's really hard to prove. Yeah. Sure. I think that's what it is. and so For it's a lot really, of reasons. Yes. But yes. And so I think it's, it's easy <clears> to just button down and be like, okay, you're guilty. Um, so I do, it's, it's a different, it, I, I approach it differently personally, me, I approach, I, I approach this movement very different. Um, and so 
I, I have to say, I, I don't know. I say, fuck that bullshit. I say, you got to come out. You got to be transparent. You got to apologize. That is the only way, especially in Me Too, that you're going to see that happen. And if that means that you have to take, you, you have to take ownership though. Like, here's the thing. You fucked up. Yeah. And you, that you, does, that act does may, carry legal consequences. It like just yeah, does. And it, and, and it should. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, uh, so, okay. With, and going back to something that I had heard when I was remembering Amelia saying, calling a thing what a thing is, you know what I mean? And, and I think that was, that was the thing that I took away from her was we need to call a thing a thing. And I think um, in that episode, um, the way, I think it was, it was you, Justin. You were the brilliant person in this particular conversation. Yay! <laughs> Yay! We're brilliant. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you you said something about it in terms of it being like going to the doctor and getting a diagnosis, mm. right? And so when you're talking about calling a thing a thing, you're saying, okay, look, I'm at the doctor. The doctor is like, hey, sorry, it turns out you have this affliction. Right. And you're like, dang, mm. I didn't know that. But what do I do? And I think it starts out with calling a thing a thing. So the more that we keep saying, like, like you're saying, where we don't want to admit or apologize because it carries these consequences. Well, the consequences are, are going to happen. It, like in most diseases, the, conse yeah, yeah. the consequences will happen whether mm. you call it the disease or not. Right. Mm. So it doesn't stop it. Right. So if you call a thing a thing, that's when it can be healed. It cannot be healed until you say, I was a racist asshole. Mm -hmm. My bad. Yeah. I was a homophobic, at which I always hate that phrase because I feel like you're not phobic. You're actually not afraid at uh, all. The <laughs> internet, like, well, I mean, sometimes they are. The internet likes to say homo mystic, mis m i s i c. Like misogynistic. Like no, it's like m i. I don't know what m i s i c means as a suffix, but it like means like hate rather than fear. Oh. Which I would much rather prefer because that makes homo more sense. Is no, no, it's like we have got to find this word. Yes, gonna he's gonna up. he's gonna get it. For I'm us. not but gonna like, be able to say it right though. Fair enough. But the point is, is you ain't afraid. Sure. <laughs> but but I'm saying like until we call it what it is and acknowledge it, like you can't you it or like one of the things we were talking about on that same episode is that we talk about re reverse racism and I have a hard time with that phrase it because it doesn't exist, exist. right? Um, but it's because racism is racism, right? So if you're gonna call it that, call it that. Yeah. Um, but I also have a problem because a lot of people say that racism doesn't exist anymore, but then they claim race, reverse racism. And I'm like, can reverse racism exist if racism doesn't? It, never mind, neither I, here nor I, there. Yeah, the point is this, until we call a thing a thing, until we name it what it is, there's no way that I we're agree. going to fix it. And so and I think with that the has Me to start, Too thing, yep. is, that's what it, that's what it is. And Say it has I'm to start with the, the, the perpetrator. Yes. They have to be the ones to call it a thing. Yeah. And if they don't, then that's, that, that means no one can forgive them. It, and yeah, it can't be forgiven. It can't be addressed, even if there are reasons, because I think what also happens specifically with apologists, specifically with Bill Cosby, the Bill Cosby thing is that people are like, well, back in the day, this was acceptable. And that may be true. Sure. That may be true. A lot of things were uh -huh. acceptable, you know, we're slavery. acceptable. Right. Right. But not morally, morally acceptable. acceptable. Right. Important. Like slavery was totally on board. Hanging people from trees was like was a right, thing yes. they did on the like weekends. You see what I'm saying? Right. They took the kids. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, so like all those things, are, like you using that, that doesn't make it less wrong. 
Um, and now if you want to say we can't hold him legally accountable because it wasn't a law back then, then I would rather you say that. And again, for me, I'm well, like, it, call it, it what it is. It was a law. It just wasn't enforced. enforced. But there are certain things that like, or they can't hold him accountable because if he sexually assaulted someone, the state statute of rape is, the statute of rape is like five years. I think it's a little bit longer than that because I know that. Or is it dependent on the on the state? It might be dependent on what? No, because I know that when um, there's th- right now there's there's an ad, uh, advocates fighting for um, the the uh, the statutory uh, rape to be uh, extended because when it comes to Catholic priests and boys, um, mm-hmm. the the men the, I think it's I think it's proven that it's after 30 when they finally address these things mm. and that's mm. usually like a year or two after the statutory falls off wow. so because of fear and stigma and all these different things it takes a while for these boys to come to terms with that and to mm-hmm. call out and to call a thing a thing unfortunately when they call finally call the thing a thing it's outside it's outside of those parameters and so there's advocates right now fighting to remove that completely so that we can truly f- bring people but to justice. as of right now busted. that's not the case and what Correct. I'm saying is is people are saying well there's no reason to talk about it because, because you can't this. Yeah. and I'm like no you still have to call the thing what it is yes. mm, otherwise mm-hmm. we can't because then yeah. what's to tell the people who are doing it right now yeah that it's not okay we still got to call the thing rape yeah. or sexual assault or racism or whatever ism and and bias or or yeah. whatever thing we still got to name it mm-hmm. um otherwise like you said there's no that i can't forgive something that you're not willing to acknowledge yep do you exactly. know what i mean no, I, I do so like where where are we gonna go from there but to wrap this up i'm gonna say this i think and maybe this is the the hippie flower child artist in me that says Art is the way to help model these things. Putting these types of conversations on stage, because a lot of the times what you're asking for, where it takes this person Hmm. to stand up and say this thing that I did, Mm -hmm. they don't know what that looks like. And if we start putting that on stage, in movies, in songs, or whatever art form that that looks like. You know what I mean? Um, if we start putting that so that there is a model, maybe more people would model. No, maybe I think we that's would, maybe that would, I don't know. I mean, historically, Athens was out here like, okay, we have this new Republican form of government, what that's gonna look like. And they did a bunch of plays about it, like <laughs> almost literally. They were like, and here's another play about how Republican government got started. And here's yet another play about how to do Republican government right and how to do it wrong. Because like, Athens was the ish, apparently. <laughs> and, but, but I mean, you can look at that throughout yeah, history. Yeah, yeah, no, like, I if it. you talk about the civil rights movement, we had, that's why respect and say aloud, I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah. We're like, you know what I mean? And, and you look at the civil rights movement in any soundtrack. Like, yeah. there's no way that you can... Listen, right. yeah. I still play the soundtrack, a.k.a. church. You see what I'm saying? Like, right. the soundtrack of the civil rights right. movement is there. So, I don't know. I think I think that art... Shout out to the artists in the room. <laughs> all, the, all the writers, all the directors, all the actors, a.k.a. everybody that's on a microphone right now. Um, all of these people. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully, no. those are the things that we can we can do have you ever heard that though have you ever seen real time somebody a racist going to go see a play and coming out and being like no shit no i think i mean 
Yes. That was the highest pitched thought. I think he can do higher. I oh, know. I like honestly, like I need to reproduce this. Like how do I do that? That's very exciting. Um, no, I, 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 I would say, I definitely have heard of people pointing to um, artworks and saying like, when I saw this artwork, my mind changed. So here, sure. but okay. so here's the thing. Maybe not my mind changed, but let's go back to the very beginning of the conversation. And I said that moment in the podcast that yeah. you brought that to my mind, sure. brought it opened up something, and I noticed it every single time that it was brought up. That was a conversation, though. That wasn't a monologue that I wrote or a scene that I wrote or a painting that I did. I mean, that's, that's true, but I will say this. If a character had said that on stage, I still would have received it. Copyrighted. I got to go write that play now. <laughs> I got it. I can change but the world. You can't. You can't. What I will say is that while art is probably less effective at completely changing a mind, I think what art is good at is clarifying and reinforcing values that are already there. Or yes. planting seeds. Or, yeah, and I exactly. think that's what it is. We're yeah. not trying, with art, I'm not talking about changing the mind. I'm, I'm talking about sure. presenting sure. a possibility. Sure. And if we look at it as that, as we are presenting a possibility, for example, of what forgiveness looks like, yeah. or a possibility of, of, like, these are likely outcomes. Because what happens is, is I guarantee you that guy who was 20 years old and sexually assaulted a woman, right, and didn't think it was sexual assault then, mm -hmm. in his head, let's say that he is a genuinely good guy now, in his head, he didn't think he was doing something wrong, or it was acceptable, and now he's been convicted, and now he's playing every possible negative outcome. We hope. Yes. And we're, again, we're assuming that he's a decent guy now. Yes, so we're true. hoping that he's playing every possible negative outcome. And in which case, all of those negative outcomes, because we're assuming he's a decent guy, yes, yes. don't involve grace, don't involve the, the possibility of forgiveness. Right. And so I if we're that. talking about something that we're, we're trying to be a catalyst, if we just present the possibility that, yes, you were wrong, your actions were wrong, they were hurtful, harmful and completely deplorable. But there is a way where it doesn't end with you dead under a jailhouse whilst possibly still right. in jail. There may be some sort of something where the woman is 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 the one who says, you know, I, like. I can forgive you even if it's just for me. Oh, and I'm not well, saying that on, that's the way. Justice. I'm not saying that, that <laughs> I'm not no, saying that real. any of these things are the way to go. I'm sure. not putting, you know, that that pressure on any woman to to forgive or not forgive her mm -hmm. attacker. Like I am not at all yeah. doing that. All I am saying is as humans, we tend to think of the worst possible outcomes first. And if we, as artists, can put together all the possible outcomes, not just the negative ones sure. or whatever, if we present that, perhaps that could be a model of not just what the asking of forgiveness sure. looks like, but what the act of forgiveness looks well, like. I, I appreciate that little uh, uh, detour. I, and I hated to be the one to do that as like the self-proclaimed artist. But there are just times where I'm just like, is this really doing anything? I've worked in theater yeah. for a very long period of time. And... Ev most of the places I've worked was always about trying to create that change and to present stories that really push people to have conversations. And I just, I just don't know. I just don't know sometimes. I feel like we're preaching to the choir a lot of times. I feel like it doesn't go anywhere. And it just, it, it's nice to hear that people believe in art. Well, I think the other thing is, right, like, 
I'm a pretty big believer that art is very bad at didacticism and very bad at like, okay, here is a way to think. But what art sure. is very good at is this is a vision of the world yeah. that we're going to act like is the world. Do you know what I mean? So art teaches less in what it tries to teach and more in what it takes for granted. You're right. Yeah. And that's why I say I'm an activist performing artist because I want to get to the fucking meaty gritty parts and I want to be like, wait, 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 what did you think? Talk to me about that. I yeah. did that for a reason. It wasn't for you to walk right. away like, like, no, <laughs> you're a racist. That's and the takeaway. And I want you to acknowledge your racism. But you do a you lot more by, by showing people. Yes, shut up. You're a, mature. Like, knowing you know what you're that racism about. is bad. You're right. You're right. I'm <laughs> so upset about it. <laughs> the only That's the funny. only people you can successfully yell at are people who are already on your side, and you're like, okay, but yeah. if you really believe in values X, Y, and Z, that means that you should state your pronouns when you start a thing. You know what I mean? No, you're right. You're right. You're right. And, and that I'm works. very black and white in a lot of ways. So yeah. I mean, apparently, so am I. I got in trouble. I, for I this. actually think it's interesting because he is not very far. I was from over you, here, like, which is really funny, yelling about all sorts Listen. of like, no, it can't be like this because of whatever. And I we have recently learned legit, to be a little more. Like, I have to be honest. Uh, did you see a play recently? <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't it. No. Unfortunately, no. No, it was a conversation. It was. <laughs> it was a conversation. I can't with this. Fuck art and, and like, theater. Let's just go talk, people. Let's, talk, let's have the Socratic. Uh, well, I'm going to be going canvassing after this. Uh, so, right. Are you really? Yes. I'm going to go brunch. <laughs> So there's that. No, this is the okay. change I want to see in the world right this now. Is the change. Is more brunch, more mimosa. Um, we could I legit talk about this forever because we kind of we took no breaks. Usually we take breaks. We've been going for two hours straight. We wow. took no breaks. But I just want to take a moment. Let's look at the board. We managed to hit. Oh, we sure did. Pretty much all of them. The I only do. thing we didn't really, really dive into was oh. money and the movement. Oh, we didn't. But we talked about use of social media. We didn't really so. talk about pride. Are you saying we didn't talk about? We talked. No, about but we talked. About, we talked about pronouns, and that came. From Which that. I do like. I do want to just say about that, um, y'all. There's a big conversation happening in Dallas right now about pride moving to Fair Park. They've actually moved the festival that has been decided without public input. The festival, which I honestly, to be honest, didn't really know this festival is like kind of more of the, I think the yeah, activist no. and social stuff happens at festival Oh, stuff, really? I think. Because people will have booths and they'll go out there and they'll talk about stuff. It's more of like, what is the queer community of Dallas like through mm. these booths? That's I the did festival. not go to Neither that part. Neither did I. Uh, but that is moving to Fair Park and they're discussing where the parade is going to go. Huh. And they really they recently had a town hall meeting at S4 talking about this, and I went. Uh, <laughs> and it was very interesting. There's a lot of angry people. A lot uh, of angry it's a little people. fucked up that, peop that these decisions were made without the public input. Agreed. Um, and something else that they were talking about a lot was like, we, we want to get bigger, we want to get bigger. You know, it's, People kept comparing us to Houston and San Francisco and New York, and we wanted to get bigger, and we wanted Dallas to be like uh, uh, a destination for pride, which is a great desire to happen. But I was also like, but why? Isn't Thank you. And I said this to everyone. I said, hey, look, y'all, we're asking some really, this is a, I love your vision. I love that you have hope for this. I love that you want to put Dallas on the map and I get it. But I think we're missing a very important conversation. We need to find out what does pride mean for Dallas. Mm -hmm. We need to answer that question and we need to serve the people of Dallas first. If we do that right and correctly, then other people from other cities will come. But if we start trying to do and create things just so that we can beat Houston, you know, I'm going to just leave with, with the, my current mantra that I've been saying for almost a year and a half, and it'll probably be for another more year, so you'll hear it a lot more times, um, is uh, a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, and that's, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Mm. So 
I don't yeah. give a shit what Houston's doing. I don't give a shit what right. San Francisco is doing. We are not San Francisco. We are not Houston. We are Dallas. So let's find what out. What does that look like for us? Exactly. And I don't know. Because yeah. I, as I talk about thing, I haven't been ask. for years yeah. because it just looks like Mardi Gras for a bunch of white people. I'm good. He is. No. The, and, and that oh, yes, no. And he said Mardi Gras for white that's people. That's what he said. That's, that's what Tell he said. I went with black people. There were black people present. Tell me I'm wrong. Of course you're not wrong. Okay. Of course it's Mardi That's Gras. Fine. That's but <laughs> so okay, so which I, I usually time. go around the room and say like drop some knowledge, some things that are coming up that you want to talk about. So I don't know if any. I should have said this off the air. I don't know if y'all got projects y'all want to throw out there. Just be thinking about that while I'm going around Ooh, in circles be true and one talking day. about not things. Not today, but that's going to be real true one day. I have um, faith. I I think it will. I think it will. Um, yeah, so I always try to land with your own plug, whatever that is, and also a leave and take away. Um, so I am doing this rambling thing to give you time to think of a leave and a takeaway, and then I'm going to throw Why it don't you start to with Justin. defining what yeah. a leave and a takeaway <laughs> might be for people that might be listening for the first time here on Echoes of the Struggle blog. Uh, Okay, so what is the thing that you want people to to think about, and what is the thing that you will take away from our discussion um, today? And so that's that's what we're going on. And I think I, I know a lot of this is is kind of revamping because all we're doing is like talking about what we've had. And I think for me, it's still calling a thing a thing, and then letting that lead to to um, to forgiveness, to um, healing, whatever that is, I think that's still my takeaway. Call a thing a thing. Um, and my leave, I heard something that I actually said on a podcast, and I was like, oh, wow, for about seven and a half seconds, I was smart. <laughs> and um, I thought... Lol. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my takeaway is to stop <laughs> saying lol. That's a lie. I'm at, no, no, that's a, a, welcome, 100% please. a lie, You're because I'm going to keep saying it. It is a lie because you are going to keep saying it. But you are also going to laugh heartily just like that, so that's fine. Um, no, I, I remember saying something like uh, revolutionary, like talking about the revolution and how uh, the revolution will not be televised and, and understanding that the revolution that we keep talking about and you're thinking it's on social media, you think that it's in all these places, and the revolution that's not televised is the one that you make inside your head. It's the moment that you make a decision to make a change, whatever that is. So however that is, be revolutionary within yourself and then take that out into the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I first want to say that everyone listening, go out and get Echoes of the Struggle. Um, <laughs> Do it. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and, and just, you know, piggybacking off of that, I mean, you know, uh, one of my consistent takeaways is how you use your, you know, writing ability and your artistry to um, promote that conversation which is one of the reasons why you brought us here, um, besides the fact that we really, really love you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there's that. And um, my, my takeaways is from, from each of you. Um, so I'm going to start with Chris on the right. Um, I really like how you articulated how, um, you know, sort of the drawbacks and benefits of artistry in itself and how that can, you know, sort of clarify the values that have gone on or are existing that people might not be prone to but might be able to sit in. I really like that. And um, that sort of opened my eyes to 
looking at other facets of artistry that might not lend itself to my experience, but you know, things that I can learn from, you know? So that's, that's, that's really cool. Uh, from DR, you know, you were talking about how, you know, it, it's with, with apologies and apologetics, you know, that, that language. And I think, I think there's a lot of, you know, overlap, you know, with, with also how you're addressing that language of apologetics, but also how you take ownership in, in, in the English language using pronouns for not only addressing your identity, part of your identity, but also inclusion as well. So I thought it was really dope on how you um, introduce yourself using those pronouns. Me being an English teacher, that's a really dope way of using language as like inclusion and clarifying as well. Um, yeah, and so th those are my takeaways. You guys are awesome, thanks. Well, okay, I, I, I can go. Um, I wish that I had, I should have been organized like you. Were you taking notes? <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't. I just listened show to us, you guys. Show, you us, show us under your neck right now. <laughs> right, right. Show us that All pad. Show us that pad of paper. You got a dissertation over there. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, I, I think a big thing on the takeaway is the conversation that we had about, about what are the parameters of forgiveness and like, and even opening up to like, who has the right to forgive and how do they do that? And like, what you were talking about, like, like, can you at least go to the person that you hurt? Like, and mm -hmm. it's specifically in like the Me Too context, you can mm -hmm. go to the person you hurt and like, can you have some kind of conversation with them? And, and it, but yeah, but like the parameters of forgiveness. Um, and well, and also I am still thinking about like, it's interesting how like, how um, just the pronoun thing will like quickly take a space that's already a kind of a progressive-y space, mm -hmm. like a, you know, and, and but, but it's, all, it's one of those things like right on the border between expected and not, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so like to make the conscious choice to make it expected, I mm -hmm. think that's like actually a small but pretty big way. Like it's like right on the tipping point, so yeah. if we all push it like a little bit more, then it will become the norm, think, yeah. at least in like, you know, more, more progressive, more open, more diverse spaces. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but my leave, I have a leave, which okay, is, um, we were talking about leadership and the whole time I was like, for me, the number one person that I feel like is a great leader right now is Reverend Barber, uh, William Barber. He's with, um, I think his organization is called Repairs of the Breach, but he does a lot of, I mean, he's, uh, I guess, best known for, there was a, a Moral Mondays uh, protest that they did uh, in North Carolina, I think at the state government house, mm -hmm. um, like every Monday for a long time. And as part of that movement, and it was a you know nonviolent movement, they got arrested many times. Um, but as part of that movement, that's like kind of why the, um, in 2016, one of the few, uh, sorry, electoral politics, but one of the few bright spots for Democrats was the governor of North Carolina. Uh, the Republican governor was defeated and was placed with a Democrat, and that was like largely because these people had organized over and over and over again mm -hmm. on these Mondays at the State House mm -hmm. to really build a movement. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, to it's so difficult at this moment when we are so diverse and there's so many almost competing mm -hmm. interests mm -hmm. of people who still have the broad goal of making the world a better place for everybody yeah. and making the country a better place. Reverend Barber, I think, does an exceptionally good job of balancing those groups. And I mean, specifically because this is what I'm thinking about all the time, mm -hmm. like a um, moral movement that is based in 
uh, well, based in based in Christian, like whatever, mm -hmm. and activates that Christian church base, mm -hmm. but is also like friendly to queer people, and so mm -hmm. I say he does a good job, a good job and and also like a good job of like evoking diversity and making clear that white people are welcome, and he does a really without excusing the bunches of white bullshit that we run into yeah. all the time. So I think he does a really good job. So if you're looking for a leader, if Reverend you're looking Barber. for someone, yeah, mm -hmm. Reverend William Barber II. He also won like a MacArthur Genius Grant. So, you know, which nice. is, I'm like, good for you. And I, he's a disabled person. He's a, yeah, he's great. I, we, we love him. Okay. I appreciate that because I, I'm, I'm desperate for that a little bit. And yeah. I, just, just to know who that is because they're out there. And I think when you're asking the question who are our leaders, I think the answer lies in your mirror. And that's mm -hmm. something that's a little bit more difficult for me to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, but it's nice to know that there's somebody out there from someone that I respect mm -hmm. who is their leader. And so I will do um, yeah, my him up. due diligence on uh, Reverend William uh, Barber the second. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I hit Google to make sure I had it right. <laughs> uh, so I think, um, I think my takeaway is really education. This, you know, this little light bulb moment of police being, uh, like the origins of our current police system is kind of like blowing my mind right now. Mm -hmm. Um, just getting a little bit of education on FARC, you know, it's, there's so much that's out there. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, it's very easy uh, to, I'm not joking, just read title articles and feel like you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I do it all the time. I'm guilty of this. I read that. I'm good. And I bring it up in another conversation. And so I'm perpetuating this game of telephone, not truly knowing what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and that's really fucked up. Yeah. Um, sorry for cursing. Uh, not a thing. So great. Um, so that's, that's huge to me. And I, I need to really challenge myself a little bit more to, to, to dig a little bit deeper and to maybe actually finish a whole article. There's actually times where I'm just like, I start to like stop. I'm like, you've got literally two more paragraphs. Finish, finish the article. Finish the damn thing, DR. Like, what, <laughs> why, like one, why are you panting out right now? <laughs> like, like I, I don't finish that last word in the sentence. I'm like, why? <laughs> just go. Like, it's not, you're just going to go watch TV. So um, that's, that's kind of a big takeaway. And I think something that you mentioned about um, the being revolutionary is the personal revolution and mm -hmm. the, uh, what you do personally. Mm -hmm. To me, that has been the only way that I've been able to get up in the morning in this era that we live in is the idea mm -hmm. that I may not go and protest. I may not go to all of the visuals, but I know that when I go outside in my meggings and my big pink hat, that mm -hmm. I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. And it might yes. be just easy for me to say that. That might be a lot of me privileging myself mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, but I do know that when I go out and I live my life to my fullest and I do what... I want to do, I know that my innate ability to be compassionate, empathetic, and a loving human being is going to hopefully spark that change that I want to see in the world because that's, my, that's me being a personal revolutionary. Um, and hopefully from that, there'll be, I will be, meet more people and like-minded allies and we can come together and create those community spaces that we do. That's how I protest, is living my life with my tribe mm -hmm. as queerly as possible. Mm. Um, and so I think that's a really good thing for me to remind myself of and to also pass that along to other people. And I use queer because that's just kind of my modus operandi, mm -hmm. but that's, that's, you know, that's, your, that's your ethnicity, that's your language, that's your heritage. Um, anything that gives you pride in who you are that makes you different. And I think that's important is what makes you different. You follow that North Star and um, I think we're going to make this world a better place. So um, as per usual, this has been great and it wasn't just because of the mimosas. Um, <laughs> it has been great for all of the reasons. I am not shocked um, and I can't wait to have you guys come back. 
Um, so again, thanks to Dr. Chris and Justin and Jack, Jack. aka the Ghost, who actually Ooh. was actually quite more. You were more vocal this go round. You actually yes. said some things. Um, congratulations to you, Janelle, for a fantastic year of of Echoes of the Struggle, and Thank to really you. be so. Uh, purposeful with what you're doing and the conversations that you're sparking. And from what I've learned today is it's not art, it's conversations that really change the mind. And so you're helping do that. And I, art can do that. I'm not trying to take <laughs> it away from it. But it's also nice to have these real moments um, and for you to be facilitating that is pretty remarkable. And so I'm very grateful and I can't wait to see what 2019 has in store for you and for Echoes of the Struggle. Thank you. Woo, yes. Thank you. That was, this is a great, great, great way to end 2018. So again, um, we will be taking a break in December um, and we'll have some new episodes, some new topics. We've talked about what ally, being ally and interracial I know we've talked about wanting to explore um, uh, racism in the LGBT. Yes, the racism. We've preference got preference versus racism in our community. Whole, <laughs> yes, we've got a whole list of things and I cannot, cannot, cannot wait to It would be my um, preference to, to have that conversation. I, I, I would prefer that as well. Um, that is also my preference. So I can't wait to come back in 2019 and, and have you all back for more conversations and bring on some new people um, again if you are listening and you would like to join the conversation we welcome uh, experiences and conversation from everyone so make sure that you check us out at echoesofthestruggle.com slash blog and you can see the blog articles as well as links to other podcast episodes and you can send us an email at echoes at echoesofthestruggle.com um, as for now we are going to end um, and I will see you guys in the new year. Uh, create hope, forge a path, change the world. We'll see you next year. Bye.